Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Colossians. The New Testament book of Colossians and Colossians in chapter number one. Colossians in chapter number one. We've been introduced to this church of Colossae and beginning to get an idea of the players, of the people that are important within this church that are named. We know that the church is meeting at the house of Philemon, who is a rich <coughs> landowner who has opened up his personal residence to allow the church of Colossae to assemble there. We know that there was a runaway slave who is now returned and with letters in hand has given to this church a letter from Paul to the Colossian church, which we are reading here. He also bore a personal letter that went to Philemon to go ahead and talk about how Onesimus had been forgiven, had accepted Christ as a savior, and now he was coming back profitable, whereas before he was unprofitable. This, morning, or this afternoon, we're going to go and see from the book of Colossians chapter 1, another important figure inside of the church of Colossae. And we find this starting at verse number 7. The book of Colossians chapter number 1 and beginning at verse 7, we see this. As ye have also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we see here dealing with Epaphras in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7? Of course, we have his name Epaphras, but also notice how it describes Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. And with the Lord's help, we'll do a quick character study based off of what the Bible has to say about this man by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras. If you don't mind, let's take some time and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would just give us a grace, that you would give us mercy, that you would give us understanding, Lord. That as we do a character study, and we know that everybody's life preaches a message, that we could see the message of Epaphras, and that we could draw an application based off of his life. Lord, I'm just asking that you would let it be clear, let it be very easily understood, and we love you again. Thank you for being a gracious God to us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, once again, look with me in the book of Colossians chapter one, and we have here listed a man by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras, twice in the word of God that Epaphras is described as being a servant. The description of a servant has been given to him. Now, that poses a good question. What makes Epaphras a good servant? That's a good question. 
if you don't mind, let's look and see what the scriptures have to say concerning Epaphras and see if we could pick up a couple of ideas of what makes Epaphras a good servant and see this man's character found within the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number one. Notice with me, if you don't mind, and we see in Colossians chapter one, verses seven and eight, we see this idea that he was a faithful minister. He was a faithful minister. Notice again in verse number seven. As ye have learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. Now let me pause and remind you of the context of what is going on. That this church here at Colossae was not started by the Apostle Paul. In fact, there's every indication that Paul had never even started the church. And yet, this church is closely related to Paul. And namely through this man named Epaphras. That Epaphras had... (coughs) Uh, was one of the gospel workers who had come to Paul and to get trained while Paul was teaching at Ephesus. As Paul was teaching at a Bible institute in Ephesus, he trained many people for the ministry and then he would send them out. And as they were sent out, churches were started, which would include here in the Lycoris Valley area In the Lycoris area within the region of Pergia, you had three major cities within this valley. You had Colossae, Laodicea, and Heriopolis. Each of these had developed churches on their own outside of the Apostle Paul. Now, during the time that Paul was there at Ephesus, that, um, excuse me, that it seems Epaphras and including Philemon went to go study and get training from Paul. This phrase, who is for you a faithful minister that we find in verse 7, carries the idea that the churches of the valley had sent Epaphras to be trained by Paul. So these three uh, (laughs) cities, which had churches in them, they had developed, they knew that they needed someone to have some further training. And so they sent Epaphras out to go get a little bit more formal training. They were the idea that he was to come back and that he was going to teach them the same things that Paul had taught them. Philemon seemed to be there where it seemed like Philemon had (coughs) been saved by Paul from physical harm, whatever was going on. Now, after they received the training from Paul, Paul sent Epaphras and Philemon back to the church of Colossae to continue the work. And they continued to labor and to serve and to build that church there at Colossae and also minister to the cities of Laodicea and Heriopolis. Now, when the church of Colossae had heard that Paul was in prison, someone had to go and help Paul out. Uh, it had to be someone with courage because it was going to be dangerous going to Rome and asking for Paul. Now, the persecutions of the Christian has not hit yet. However, Christians were already starting not to be looked at as a favorable light. In addition, Paul was a prisoner, so it is very difficult to go say, hey, I want to go visit a prisoner, especially in the Roman world. And yet Epaphras set out to do that. He went out on purpose to go see Paul and to deliver to Paul some information, to deliver to Paul and have a question answered, and to go to Paul and also deliver some monetary things that the churches had gathered for the relief of Paul. May I also remind you that during that time of imprisonment, even though this was not in the jail cells, that the... 
even under house arrest, the apostle Paul had to provide for his own meals. Since he couldn't go labor or get a job, he was dependent on others to come and help them out. And so Epaphras came and helped fill in that gap to help look for the apostle Paul and to help him out. So he went to go search for him. He had to brave the guard at the door. Can you imagine Paul's under house arrest? He's chained up 24-7 to a Roman soldier and had to go and knock on the door. Hello, is Paul here? Paul of Tarsus. Yeah, he's here. Can I see him? What's your business? He had to go through the thing of trying to talk to the guard. And then when he finally talked to Paul, there was the guard there staring at him the whole time. There was never a time where Paul was not being supervised by a guard. And Epaphras, a lot of people would not be brave enough to go visit him. A lot of people wouldn't be brave enough to be in the presence of those Roman soldiers all that time. And yet Epaphras was. And when he found Paul, notice again in verse 7 and 8, Colossians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. As you have learned also of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who hath declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now we learn quite a bit about Epaphras just in these first verses. He, we know first of all that he's a fellow servant. That idea is that he's working alongside with. He's not above. He's not <clears throat> uh, trying to make himself a, his own platform. He's working alongside and he's being a fellow servant. He's in the field. He's working with them. Notice it also says not only a fellow servant, but he is a faithful minister of Christ. Now that word faithful carries the idea of faithful. It carries the idea of being continual, never stopping. This continual minister. Again, the word minister is a nice, another Bible way of saying of servant, that he is a servant and he's a servant of Jesus Christ, that he had a reputation and was known for teaching what the word of God said, being faithful to God's declarations of himself and teaching people more about Christ. And we'll see more about that in detail in just a bit. But what a privilege it was to have Epaphras as the pastor of the church of Colossae, who was faithful to open up God's word. That you could always count that he was going to have a Bible message. You could always count that he was going to tell people about the word of God. He was always going to point people up back to Jesus Christ. What a privilege it was that he was faithful minister. Then when he got to the uh, Paul, he reported back to uh, Paul about the people there. He said, who declared unto us your love in the spirit. Praise the Lord that he was also faithful the other way. That when he went to Paul, he didn't say, man, I don't know why God shacked me up with those crazy church people. They're just driving me nuts. What he reported is, let me tell you, these good folks here, they love the Lord and they're dependent upon the spirit and they're praying for you. Praise the Lord that he was faithful to the Lord and he was faithful to the church that God had set him steward to pastor over, that he was a good shepherd to them, a good minister and a good representative of that church to those folks. Something else that we see about Epaphras we find in chapter number four, the book of Colossians chapter four, that not only was he a faithful minister, but we also see he labored in prayer. He labored 
in prayer. Notice with me Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 12. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you? Let me pause. We're going to get to that message later on. That's the very last message inside of the book of Colossians, that phrase, who is one of you? By the way, that's what a pastor is supposed to be. He's a sinner saved by grace. He's not, his requirement is not to be perfect. His requirement is to be faithful. And who is one of you? In fact, the rest of the chapter there is just going to list different people that's found within the church. The good people, the, the people that's faithful, the people that don't teach a class, but you could tell, uh, just trust that they're going to be in their seat every Sunday and that they're not going to miss. Those are a blessing. And it goes through this list. And Epaphras, who is just one of them. Notice how it describes him, a servant of Christ. Epaphras, who was a, a one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you. Now, of course, Epaphras, their pastor, is with Paul in Rome and is not currently there. So Paul is saying, hey, by the way, Epaphras says hi. So he's making sure that the church folks know that Epaphras is still thinking about him. Now, notice what Paul reports to the church about their pastor while their pastor is in Rome. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you. Notice this, always laboring fervent for, fervently for you in prayers. Now, the apostle Paul says, hey, I only got a moment. Now, if you could just fast forward to our thing of texting or call. Hey, I only got a moment, but I want to let you know that your pastor, he's here with you and he says, hello. And I want to tell you something about your pastor. He's praying for you. Amen. He's praying for you. He's praying fervently for you. That word fervently is an important word. And you see it attached to prayer several different times in scripture. The word fervently carries with it the idea, the literal idea of heated. And it carries with it passionate. That he says, let me tell you something about your pastor. Is that he is always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Something about your pastor is that even though he's in Rome, he's praying for you. And it's not just simple prayers that, oh, bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so and bless her and bless her. By the way, if you can get yourself out of the habit of praying vague prayers, yeah. vague prayers are empty prayers. They're nice little check the boxes, but you're not asking for anything. It may make you feel good, but what is God supposed to ask? He's already blessed everybody. Be specific. And when you're specific, you find out that it takes work to pray as we ought. That's why he says he's laboring fervently. By the way, why don't more people pray? Because it's work. It's a four-letter word that most people are afraid of. It's work. It takes time. If you're going to pray correctly, it does take time to spend on your knees, to spend talking with the Lord, and to speak to them passionately, fervently. <clears throat> if you took a look at your own prayer life, how much of your prayer life is actually passionate? It's one thing that we miss. Now, where does passion come from? An emotional attachment. Most of our prayers are dry and empty because there's no emotions to it. May I say that we've dried up our tears? The Bible says quite a bit about our tears. The Bible says in Psalm 126 that they that sow in tears shall reap 
with joy. They that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Why are they rejoicing? Because they labored in prayer and tears. There's something about our world today that has told people that you give up your tears. That in our world of feminism, that they try to tell ladies that, ladies, if you're going to be a true 21st century lady, don't cry. That's the worst advice someone can give. Your tears are important. Gentlemen, now you shouldn't cry because you lost tiddlywinks or someone just tipped over your checkers game. But there should be times where you have tears. There should be times where you're laboring fervently and putting in the work to pray. To think about someone that's lost and dying and go to hell should cause tears to come to our eyes. To have someone who's not following after the Lord and you're broken hearted for them, that should come out. But most of our prayers are so dry, crusty, empty. Lord, please let us have a good day at church. Thank you. Lord, let camp go well. Most of our prayers are so dry and empty and ineffectual. The Bible speaks about in the book of James, it talks about the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent, passionate prayers. And Paul is telling him, let me tell you something about your pastor. Is that while he is here in Rome, he is laboring fervently for you. He's laboring fervently for you in prayers. Now, when Epaphras is there, of course, he's there to help Paul, but he is also coming with a burden. Remember that the context of Colossians is that there is a cult that is beginning to form. And as this cult is beginning to form, Epaphras is realizing that this cult is very dangerous to the church folks inside of Colossae. And he's going to Paul and he's asking a question. How do I combat this? How do I deal with this? How do I fight against this? How do we go against this? He knows that these false teachings have been creeping into the church. So Paul reminds Epaphras that the answer to these spiritual problems was prayer. Prayer. Not just any prayer. But in both passages, we see that uh, Epaphras was praying fervently for the people in the church of Colossae. In verse uh, chapter number one, we'll get to there uh, next week. But we could see what Epaphras was doing there is that he was praying for them. And he was having specific prayers. Here in Colossians chapter four, it's talking about these prayers. How do we first of all combat spiritual problems? How do we combat when there seems to be false doctrine creeping in? Prayer. Prayer. So many times we foolishly attempt to try to tackle something and we haven't labored in prayer. We try to sometimes act super spiritual. Well, someone's got a problem. Let me quickly go to my Bible. By the way, going to the Bible is a good answer, but it shouldn't be your first answer. Prayer. 
fervent prayer. Labor for them in prayer. Get God involved. It is by our pride that we skip prayer and try to fix people with our own word, our own intellect, or even our own Bible knowledge. Prayer. Prayer. Fervently in prayer. How do we combat that? How do we fight against these things coming in? Prayer. Prayer. Notice if you don't mind specifically what he was praying for. In fact, this phrase is going to kind of mention twice. We're just going to hit it here because it's direct context. Verse number 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. What is his prayer request? That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. If you need to pray specifically for people, this is a good prayer. How do we pray for them? That they stand perfect. This idea of standing perfect, the word perfect, means to be complete or whole. To be spiritually mature. That they would stand spiritually mature. You know why we need to pray this way? Because there's a lot of people who are immature. They lack discernment. All they see is about themselves. And because they're only looking at themselves, they end up just trying to get what makes them happy. And then they become very vulnerable to attack when they become very selfish. (coughs) That we could... (coughs) That he was praying for them, they would stand perfect. Then notice this. And complete in all... All the will of God. This is an important prayer request too. Because what happens as people mature. They become obedient in some areas. But then they neglect other areas of their life. He says I don't want you to be a partial Christian. I want you to be perfect. Meaning complete or whole. I want you to stand complete in all of the will of God. I don't want you to miss out on anything. And so I have to pray. What that does mean is that we know that there are different people who are at different stages in their life. You say, well, I don't have any problems with my Bible reading. Yeah? Well, how's your prayer life? How's pride? How's your soul winning? You know, there are different areas. How's your being servant? How about being faithful? How about being a good reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a lot of areas to be complete in. (laughs) Over the years, it is amazing. Someone finally gets to the place where they read half a scripture, half a chapter. Look at me. I'm a great Christian now. Not even close. Not even close. We're just trying to, come on, read some more, read some more. But there is so much that God wants us to have. Do you know that being part of a good, mature Christian is to be the parent that we ought to be? The husband we ought to be? The wife we ought to be? The child we ought to be? Listen, if God is not in his rightful place, then nothing else in your life is in his rightful place. That we need to be complete. We know that even raising kids. 
It has been always amazing to me. The first one popped out. Look, it's my little clone. This is great. And then I had another one come that came from the same parents, the same circumstances, and he's completely different than her. Then we had a third and we were expecting, now this one's completely different than the other one. We know that there's no such thing as cookie cutter Christians. People are different. But they can all be complete in what God has given them to do. That you are not expected to be at the same level as everyone else. You are expected to be in your, what God has given you to do. Going back to my kids, each one of my kids, because they're different, have different spiritual strengths and different spiritual weaknesses. They have different maturity levels in different areas. There are some (laughs) that over the years I could give them an assignment and I could trust them to do that assignment, but I couldn't trust them to do this. Does it make sense? Same thing with church folks. (laughs) That we have different levels of maturity, different levels that we're able and we're comfortable to do. And we have to work with them all to help people from where they're at and move them forward. And by the way, the more people that you have, that's the more laboring you have to pray for to take care of them. And by the way, this laboring in prayer carries with it a conversation. I'm speaking with God about that person in a conversation. It's not a checklist. Lord, bless so-and-so and help them with their Bible reading. No, it's more like this. Lord, what's so-and-so going through right now? What are they laboring with? Because you know them more than me. How can I pray for them right now? What are they struggling with? What are they about to face? What can we do to strengthen them up to survive the next couple days? That's a conversation that goes on about one person. But you have more people to go through. But this is a great prayer request. How do we pray for others? That they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So many times our prayers are lesser than prayers. This is what God wants us to pray for. And we have lesser than. We try to be satisfied. Well, Lord... Just uh, let so-and-so just show up to church. Well, listen, I'm glad that they'll come to church, but they need more than that. Well, we're just praying that so-and-so will just finally read their Bible. That's great, but they need more than that. We want them to stand complete in all God has them to do. We miss out as people on what God has for us in life. And where does it begin? It begins in our failure to pray. Failure to pray as we ought. Paul is saying, I want to tell you something. I've been spending a lot of time with your pastor. When I turn around, there he is. He's praying. He's praying on his knees. He's talking to him. He'll come to me and said, Paul, I've got so-and-so in my heart. Let's take some time to pray. Now, let's use our divine imagination. Epaphras is at Rome. Paul is under house arrest. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Paul is chained to a Roman guard. What do you think the response of that guard is who's forced into these prayer meetings? Well, Paul, let's pray. The guard's like, oh. I meant, who was really the prisoner and who had liberty? 
Paul who was deprived of his liberty or the guard that was forced to go to these prayer meetings. They're praying again. You know, guards learn something about prayer and who God was Amen. by watching these two men of God take some time to pray. Here we have Epaphras who was called a fellow servant. He was a faithful pastor to these folks who loved them and it was faithful to them. And even when he was gone, he was known for his prayers and he was prayed for them. You know, there's a third thing that we see about this man, Epaphras, of him being a fellow servant, is that we could see that he started off as he, he was a faithful minister. He was fervent in prayer. He labored in prayer. He also had a heart for missions. He had a heart for missions. Notice with me as we continue on, Colossians chapter 4, verse 13. For I bear him record. Now, who's this him? Epaphras. For I bear him, Epaphras, record, that he hath a great zeal for you and for them that are in Laodicea and them at Heriopolis. He says, let me tell you something about your pastor. Not only is he faithful and he's also represented you well while he's here, but I've been watching him labor in prayer for you. And he's been faithful in praying. And he's been passionate about his prayers. And he's been praying for you consistently that you would be complete in Christ, in the will and knowledge of him. That you would be complete in what God has for you. But something else about your pastor is that he wants to see others get saved too. He has a mission's heart. He didn't just want the church of Colossae and only care for those church folks. But he also wanted to see the gospel spread to other areas. Specifically, he's concerned about the people in Lady Osea that need to be reached with the gospel. He's concerned about the people of Heriopolis who are, need to be reached with the gospel. He had a heart for missions. He wants to see people everywhere get saved. And what can we do to reach them? What can we do to help them? And he speak about Paul. What a great heart that he had that he says, I just don't want to see our folks in our church just kind of get right with God and be all right. But I want to see others get saved. I want to see others reached. I want to see churches get started. I want to see churches strengthened. I want to see people reached all over. What can we do to reach them? What can we do to labor them? No wonder the Bible lists Epaphras as a fellow servant. He had a servant's heart. He had this desire to be the pastor he ought to be. He had a desire to labor in prayer like he ought. He had a desire to see the world reached with the gospel. This is a man who is known for his prayers. Praying for people to get saved. What a great character Epaphras had. If you don't mind, there is one more thing that we want to show you. And that's back in the book of Philemon. We were at Philemon this morning and kind of described the events that occurred. And of course, we know that as <coughs> this letter to Philemon is being delivered by Onesimus, that this personal letter also mentions Epaphras, who was the pastor of the church of Colossae, which had met at Philemon's house. Notice, if you don't mind, as we catch up in Philemon, only one chapter, but notice with me as we see the greetings down, and we can see that there's a different title. In Colossians, it was given to Epaphras that he was a fellow servant. And praise the Lord, he was a beloved servant. He was faithfully laboring 
But notice if you don't mind something else. Verse number 23. There salute thee Epaphras. Notice his description here. My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Now in Rome, Epaphras' purpose was to find Paul and to give him an update of the cult that was beginning to influence the church of Colossae. As they spent much time in prayer, laboring for that situation. But someone say, why didn't Epaphras go back home and resume pastoring the church? Well, we know that Onesimus went back and returned to the church of Colossae, carrying this personal letter of Philemon and carrying this epistle to the church of Colossians. What happened to Epaphras? Well, he ended up not being able to return. He became a fellow prisoner. After all, dealing with all of those Roman guards, eventually someone was not happy. Some guard was not happy about being forced to a prayer meeting. Some guard was not happy about hearing all the religious talk that occurred. Ended up giving, costing him a great price. Now, of course, we want to be wise about everything we did. But there's a lot of people who are not willing to pay a price. They're willing to labor for God as long as it's not inconvenient. You see, they're willing to be faithful as long as nothing gets in the way. But as soon as some hard times happen, well, then I don't want to be faithful anymore. I don't want to labor. I don't want to work. We know that there are some people that we know that they're going to be there for uh, all the services except for when NASCAR's in town, except for the Packers are in town, the Super Bowl's on TV. Well, it's inconvenient for them now. It, <laughs> Bob Jones Sr. once said that the true measure of a man is not what a man accomplishes, but what does it take to stop him? For a lot of people, it does not take much for them to be stopped. Here's Epaphras who was known. He traveled all the way. He's there. Paul is in prison. And Epaphras goes and spends time with him. And he's faithful He's been a faithful minister to the church. He's been there good times and bad times. You know, when the cult starts coming up, a lot of preachers think about leaving. In fact, let me pause. Do you know that the average tenure of an average pastor today is three and a half years? And the reason why they do it is because it gets too hard. People don't care for me. People don't love me. By the way, I understand why they would feel that. It's too hard. Yeah, I understand it's hard. There is no easy place to serve God. If it was, all those places would be taken up. And all that's left is hard places. <laughs> but people serve God only in convenience. When something gets rough, well, then I don't want to be a servant anymore. Think about the price you have to pay during prayer. Why don't we pray more? Because it's work. And we don't want to pay the price. We get too busy and we think that the things that we need to do is more important than spending time with God because we carry the attitude that we could fix it. If I bash someone's head hard enough that they'll finally get fixed and we find after a bunch of bashing, it does not work. We could have just took the easy route, the laborious route and prayed and let God change hearts. God changed minds. God changed spirits. Instead, we get so frustrated that everything we did and shake them and it didn't work. And they still look at us and go back and do the same thing. 
we failed to pray. In fact, John R. Rice said that all failures are prayer failures. And why? Because we don't spend the time. And even when we do get around to praying, they're so dry and lifeless and anemic and pathetic because it's too hard. It's inconvenient. You understand convenience is the enemy of spirituality. There is no easy way to serve God. (laughs) We know that convenience is the enemy of spirituality. There's no easy way to serve God. But as long as everything's going all right, well, then I could show up to church. As long as things are going all right, as long as I have time, I could get some Bible reading in. As long as things are all right, I could could throw some prayers up to God just to kind of hook them up. As things are all right, you know, I could witness to someone. As long as my pocketbook is all right and I got some extra in the bank, I could give money every now and again. You see... We have a lot of things in our life that as long as it's inconvenient, we stop. We can get stopped very easy. I'm offended. Someone made me mad. Then we stop. Someone's going to make fun of me. Then we stop. Someone's not going to like me. Then we stop. There's a lot of things. Sometimes it's just a bad attitude. Sometimes it's because we hurt We have a lot of things that get us to stop. And it doesn't take much. What we're seeing here is Epaphras was willing to pay a price. He was willing to pay a price to be faithful. He was willing to pay a price to labor in prayer. He was willing to pay a price in the area of reaching people for the Lord. And the idea of souls. To tell people, you know... (laughs) With the idea of missions. Missions is a good idea. That people say. Woohoo we support missions. But then we turn around. When's the last time you read a prayer letter? When's the last time you. Talked to a missionary. Emailed them. Tell them you're praying for them. You're cheering for them. When's the last time you remembered a birthday? When's the last time it was important to you? I meant sure you sew up on Saturday and go door knocking with us and then after that you wipe your hands of it. When's the last time it's been important to you? There's something that needs to be get done. What do we need to do to organize our efforts? How can we work? You see, as long as it's convenient, we're all for missions. We're all for reaching people with the gospel. But we're not willing to pay too high of a price before it becomes inconvenient. Again, I watch churches all the time that drop their soul winning class. uh, No longer have Saturday soul winning or soul winning of any kind. Here's what they tell me. Well, the world has changed. And that people don't respond at the door like they used to. Who cares? We're not doing it because we're seeing results. We're going out there because we're being obedient to the Lord. He takes care of the results. You see, as <laughs> if people slam door in face, well, I guess it's just too hard. I'm not going to do it no more. You see, this idea of Epaphras, he was willing to pay a price. We sing that song together, I've decided to follow Jesus. 
And it's a good song to sing as long as it doesn't cost us something. The world behind me, the cross before me. That idea of a cross before me is that you're headed towards death. You're not coming back. Oh, wait, 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 that's just too much for me. I don't want to get too serious about this. What is the price that you're willing to pay? Or maybe we could say, what does it take for you to stop? Why did you stop reading your Bible? What made you stop praying with tears in your eyes? What caused it where you didn't want to be faithful, you're just half-hearted anymore? Epaphras, he was willing to pay the price, even if he never came back. And because of that, he got the moniker of a fellow prisoner. It cost him something to be obedient to the Lord. It cost him something to be the pastor of this church. It cost him something to find the answers when he saw that there was a cult beginning to creep up. And how, excuse me, how do I stop this? How do I protect the folks? He was willing to pay a price to make sure all that was solved. What is the price that you're willing to pay? Or rather, what does it take to stop you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.